Hi, I'm Glenda Whitley with Tackett Ranch in Floresville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, spring planting is moving along at a good pace here in Texas. We're right on time in most of the state, although we're hearing the panhandle is a bit behind due to drought. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Planting strategically. For corn farmers, there can be benefits to a delayed planting, especially in a dry year like we're having in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Across the Cotton Belt, the new Product Evaluator Program begins its 15th season of producers evaluating cotton varieties for possible release the next year. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. food supply is as safe as it's ever been, that according to an FDA commissioner. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas farmers are rolling the planters at a good pace, getting spring crops in the ground. The latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report shows 81% of the corn crop now in the ground statewide. That's ahead of the 77% five-year average. Sorghum planting now sits at 70% done, while cotton planting is now 22% complete. Chase Bubenick farms near San Angelo, where there has been a chance of rain in the forecast this week, but he says it's been a bone-dry year so far. We are pre-watering, and under the pivots, we're having to run two or three times around it, just trying to get our seed bed ready to actually put the cotton in the ground. Our drip, I wish we would have had a, a rain on it to kind of bring that moisture up from the tape and join it from the top, but it's it's really dry, so it, it will be an interesting year. And that has caused a change in plans this year. Normally we plant corn, and we'll plant a little bit of dry land milo, but this year we're actually going through and planting all cotton because we didn't get the early rains to really set us up on the corn the way we wanted to. Bubenick says last year was great with four bale cotton on his farm. But that may not happen this year. And the drought is not just affecting us here in Texas. It's all over the West. Chandler Gould is CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. He says over half the nation's wheat crop is affected by high levels of drought. 
68% of winter wheat in the United States is in a D2 to D4 drought. Um, I was also traveling across the country uh, the last couple of weeks. I've talked to growers in Oklahoma, Texas, western Kansas, and Colorado where their winter wheat didn't even come back from the fall planting. So at this rate, um, well, with, the, the, with the drought continuing, I, I think we could be looking at significantly lower yields. Um, hopefully we'll be able to get some moisture into our spring wheat uh, states to increase that productivity. But right now we've got a little too much water in those states. So the weather is not being very nice to the industry this year. When you combine that with the lack of wheat exports from Russia and Ukraine, the world wheat supply will be strained in the future. But for now, Gould says we have enough stock to offset those problems in the short term. Currently in the world stock, we've got about three times as much wheat in the world stock as the Russia-Ukraine export market would be sending out. So I really think for this year we're going to be okay. But if this drought continues here in the United States, if we continue to have weather-related issues, I really think there could be an issue at the end of the next production season. Chandler Gould, CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. While farmers have made good planting progress in most of the state, the panhandle is running a bit late. James Hunt tells us that could have some advantages this year. As we reported yesterday, local corn planting is running behind the season as our drought has farmers taking things slow. But Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid says there can be advantages to delaying planting, especially in a dry year. For one thing, with a later planting, farmers could postpone the tasseling and pollination stages from the typical late June, early July period to a cooler month when hopefully there would be less loss to evapotranspiration. So instead of having to uh, depend on providing the corn with a half inch of water a day, which is practically impossible with the irrigation capacities we have, you know, we can maybe push it back into August where maybe just 30, 3500 a day can do it. French says there are varieties available that can allow farmers to hold off corn planting until late June if they're going for grain, and even mid-July if silage is the objective. And for corn farmers who have not already planted, he suggests considering delaying a bit longer and concentrating on pre-watering fields to build up soil moisture. I always tell people one foot of subsoil moisture is better than none, and two foot's better than one foot, three foot's better than two foot, so we do the best we can. And uh, once that crop is planted, we'll just keep that pivot going and just running as slow as we can to put as much subsoil moisture into the soil and and, uh, hopefully we'll get a break in the weather. And and if we don't, at some point, we may have to what we call divert water and uh, we may have to cut the acres back that we're irrigating to have a good crop on, say, half a circle instead of the full circle and uh, basically divert water away from the other half and just depend on crop insurance and the salvage value of a drought stress crop for silage or, or hay to make up the difference so we can do better on the other half that we can keep the water on. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Delta Pi New Product Evaluator Program is kicking off its 15th season. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today from Lubbock is Eric Best. He is Delta Pine Cotton Product Manager. And Eric, uh, this certainly is a milestone year for the uh, Delta Pine uh, New Product Evaluator Program. 
15 years uh, since its inception in 2008, and uh, the program has certainly set the standard for uh, the cotton industry when it comes to evaluating uh, cotton varieties. Well, I agree, Tom. It's not just the program itself, it's the producers involved. That's the backbone of the program. And when you talk about 15 years, that's a pretty big milestone. And probably one of the more exciting things is getting to sit back and look at what percentage of those growers that participate in our MPE program have been here the whole time. So they've seen the good stuff, they've seen the bad stuff, they've seen some things they like, some things they didn't like, and they've seen some products that have become the number one planted thing in the U.S. several years out of some of these classes. More than 200. Uh, NPE growers uh, across all regions of the cotton belt, including many here from Texas. They'll be planting, evaluating uh, large-scale plots of the class of 23 uh, variety candidates this season. We made the decision 16 years ago going into that first year of the program that launched products 15 years ago. We're going to take some seed of some key pre-commercial things. We're going to give that to growers. We're going to let them plant larger blocks. Sometimes they're 5, 10 acres. Sometimes they're 15, 20 acres of each variety. Grow them on their farms under their conditions, manage them like they see that they need to be managed them, harvest them separately, gin them separately, and provide us feedback. And the litmus test to me is, if we were to advance this product, would you purchase it? The grower's feedback on year 15 is even more important than ever as we transition not only to new germplasm, but new germplasm and new trade platforms. That is Delta Pine Cotton Product Manager, Eric Best. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. food supply is as safe as it's ever been. Gary Joyner has more. There are 15 federal agencies that administer at least 30 laws related to U.S. food safety. That's a lot of oversight and inspection of what Americans are blessed to have, safe and abundant food. The Food and Drug Administration handles many of those responsibilities. It was noteworthy when FDA Commissioner Robert Califf recently told Senate committee members that the food supply in the United States is as safe as it's ever been. That's encouraging to hear, and it's a testament to modern agriculture. American consumers deserve to have confidence that their food is safe and that the best science is used to ensure that they have access to the most wholesome products. We have processes in place at the FDA and other agencies to achieve that goal. America's farmers and ranchers are committed to producing safe food for consumers in the U.S. and around the world. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. One simple action each evening can save the lives of migrating birds. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And does your dog bite? It could be due to anxiety. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, livestock producers in the Kerr County area have the Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up Tuesday, May 24th at the Hill Country Youth Event Center in Kerrville. County Extension Agent Justin Klinzik is with us. And Justin, what will be happening at the Kerr County Ranch Field Day? 
I'm going to start the day out with proper weaning techniques for cattle, sheep, and goats and how that kind of benefits marketability. I'm going to discuss impacts of proper grazing and overgrazing. Morgan Livestock Equipment is going to bring in a mobile working pen, and we're going to get to do some live cattle handling and demonstrations with that. Dr. Joe Passel is going to talk about the benefits of pregnancy testing and demonstrate the IDEX alert pregnancy blood test. And we're going to round out the day with Dr. Sonia Swiger from AgriLife Extension, and she's going to talk about parasite control in livestock. The Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up May 24th. If you need more information, call the Extension Office at 830-257-6568. If you would like to have your agricultural event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email, cmartin, C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at txfb.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Does your dog bite? It could be due to anxiety. Dr. Bob Judd says there are some medications that could help. Dr. Overall indicates she routinely treats aggression with medication. Dr. Overall is a professor of behavior medicine at Prince Edward Island Atlantic Veterinary College, and she treats many aggressive dogs with anti-anxiety medications that work by remodeling neurons, and this makes acquiring new behaviors easier. Approximately 4.5 million people are reportedly bitten by dogs every year, and these are reported numbers, so likely at least two to three times that many people are actually bitten. Dogs with unaddressed behavior problems are more likely to be surrendered to a shelter or even euthanized, so helping these pets is important. Many folks may believe a barking or snarling dog is overly aggressive or threatening, but they may be acting normally in certain situations. Determining if the behavior is normal or inappropriate depends on the context in which it occurs. An example of normal aggression is food aggression, but other aggression that occurs over an extended period is not normal. Fearful dogs want to withdraw and distance themselves from the fear-related event. Anxious dogs generally will not retreat, but will scan the situation. Before aggression occurs, arousal can be noticed, but it is very quick and is easily missed. Trying to redirect the dog at arousal is effective, but ineffective after the aggressive phase has begun. Since almost everyone has a video camera on your phone, a video can be very helpful in behavior situations to diagnose the issue. There are four drugs approved by the Food and Drug Administration to treat anxiety in dogs and overall indicates we are treating mental illness in these patients. Thanks for listening to today's Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. One simple action each evening could save migrating birds. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. The end of peak spring bird migration is this week, but Texans can still make a difference for birds that have yet to migrate through the state by turning off or dimming non-essential lights at night. Taylor Keyes, Program Director for Texan by Nature, one of the organizations that promotes the Lights Out Texas campaign, joins us with more on what businesses and homeowners can do. We're asking all folks to turn off their non-essential lights from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. each night during migration season and really want that practice to become just a standard where people just turn out their lights all year long because we will have fall migration August 15th through November 30th as well. And we're also asking 
folks to reduce and not use landscape lighting if possible. So they're not lighting up areas where birds could be resting. For those essential lights, for security and safety reason, we're asking folks to use dark sky-friendly lighting practices. So things like aiming your lights down, using motion sensors, so lights are only on when you need them, using shields on those lightings. And then for businesses that have tall buildings, same practices apply, turning lights off from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m., but then also seeing if there's any decorative lighting that can be turned off for lobby or atrium lighting and working with Custodial crews to make sure lights go off at night. The majority of migrating birds do so at night, relying on the stars and moonlight. When they encounter bright lights from homes and buildings, they may become distracted and disoriented. They may see the reflection of a tree in a window and fly toward it, looking for refuge, but colliding with the glass and dying instead. Critical spring peak migration ends Thursday. The full spring migration will continue through June 15th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The feeder cattle market closed lower Wednesday, while live cattle, cotton, and grains all were strongly higher. We'll take a look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Jessica Domel with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent my entire life involved in agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas AgriStress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, 833-897-2474. That is 833-897-2474. Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts, or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? Well, it is okay to ask for help. Call the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number again, 833-897-2474. That is 833-897-2474. If you can't write it down right now, Just remember, you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That is farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The live cattle market climbed higher on Wednesday, but higher corn prices pushed the feeder cattle market lower. June live cattle up a dollar seventeen, ending the day at one thirty three fifty seven. August up fifty five at one thirty four sixty five. October live cattle up fifty five cents at one forty one ninety two. May feeder cattle down seventy seven cents one fifty eight fifteen. August feeders down a dollar eighty five at one seventy even. September feeders down a dollar seventy seven one seventy three seventeen. Cash fed cattle market picking up a bit at midweek. Texas seeing sales at one forty on a live basis. Up north, Nebraska reporting live sales at 144. Both of those prices steady with last week. We had the online Fed Cattle Exchange sale Wednesday. Only 246 heads sold. Those were all Texas cattle. They sold for 137. 
Boxed beef prices lower on Wednesday. Choice down 22 cents at 255.02. Select down three at 242.32. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Auctioneer selling, so let's go to Klein Spear, Southwest Livestock Exchange, Uvalde. Klein, how did your Thursday sale go? Went pretty well, Larry. We had 632 head today. Those Packer cows were sure enough six to seven dollars cheaper than those bulls were. I'd stay steady to just a couple dollars cheaper. They were sure having a hard time using a bunch of them. As many are coming to town everywhere. Those uh, calves and yearlings I thought were four to six lower on those kind of just medium grading kind of cattle. Those good quality calves are still holding pretty good. Those number one choice steers today dollar thirty to dollar fifty five, and the lightweights dollar fifty five to dollar ninety. Choice heifers dollar ten to a dollar fifty, and the lightweights dollar forty to dollar. 65 crossbred steers dollar 30 to a dollar 50 and the lightweights dollar 50 to a dollar 80 crossbred heifers dollar 10 to a dollar 35 and the lightweights dollar 45 to a dollar 70 stalker cows today 75 to 95 packer bulls 90 to a dollar two those breaker cows today were i'd say they were right at uh, 70 to 79 those cutters and canners were 45 to 57 and those shelly cows were 25 to 35 good pairs day thousand to 1200 and those plain pairs seven to 900 red cows 650 up to a thousand so overall got along pretty good with what we had here today well tell everybody how to get a hold of you if they need to sell or buy sheep and goats or cattle next week call us the office 830-278-5621 or my cell phone 830-591-3241 klein we appreciate you y'all have a good sale thank you larry of course neighbor that's klein spear he and his brother justin own and operate the auction that their granddad gentleman joe hargrove started there in uvalde southwest livestock exchange we appreciate you listening to walking the pins on the texas farm bureau radio network my name's larry marble i put it all together and we'll see you again tomorrow thanks larry let's head back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finish lower on wednesday may hogs drop 15 cents at 100 dollars 92 cents june hogs down 72 at $100.85. Class 3 milk was higher. May milk up 29 cents, 24.95 a hundred weight. June milk up 33 at 23.84 a hundred. The cotton market closed higher on a hot dry forecast for West Texas. Now, traders do know we've gotten some rain this week in West Texas and the Panhandle. But when you look at the longer term forecast, 6 to 10 day and 8 to 14 day forecast, they all show below normal chances of rain and increasing hot temperatures to come. So that helped to support cotton prices. July cotton up 66 points, 143.60. The October up 28 at 131.05. December cotton up 58 points, closing at 124.75. The corn market strongly higher, getting support from a big move higher in crude oil and expectations for a slightly bullish crop report Thursday morning. We close with the nearby May contract up 15 and three quarters, back above $8 now. 8.02 and a quarter was the closing price on the May. July corn up 13 and a quarter, 788 and a half, while September corn was up 17 to close at 752 a bushel. Hot and dry weather in the Southern Plains supporting the wheat market on Wednesday. July Kansas City wheat up 25 and a half. It broke above $12, closing at $12 and a half cent. July Chicago wheat up 20 and a quarter, 1113 a bushel. 
In the energy markets, June natural gas up 29 cents, 767. June crude oil up 551 at 105.27 a barrel. The financial markets lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 349 points, 31,811. The Nasdaq down 393 at 11,345. The S&P down 70 points at 3,930. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.